Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman. This afternoon here, fabulous day, fabulous time to learn, great Jewish music in the background, and we're getting ready for the festival of Shavuos when Almighty God Himself revealed Himself in all His glory, gave us His secret treasure, the Torah. And I'd like to take the opportunity today, as we just launched a new JLI, the Jewish Learning Institute, brought to you by Chabad House course that takes place Wednesday evenings, and just to share with you some of the ideas that we discussed in the course, and you're most welcome to join us firsthand. This is a little bit philosophical, a little bit mystical, going into Kabbalah, the Hasidic teachings, and we're actually trying to discover what is reality, what is the world that we live in, and we're going to explore different elements of it. You know, the story they tell about a Chinese philosopher, he dreamt that he dreamt that he was a butterfly. So for the rest of his life, he was always wondering, am I a Chinese philosopher who once dreamt that he was a butterfly? Or perhaps I'm a butterfly who's now dreaming that he's a Chinese philosopher. And... I think this is a question, in a sense, that has plagued not just philosophers, but a lot of people wonder about the reality of the world that we live in, the nature of reality, and our senses, our perceptions. A lot of things are in our mind. Everything that we experience, including those things in our five senses, is experienced very much so in our minds. So maybe there's no existence outside of our minds. And of course, we could play all kinds of mind games with this question, but you really want to get to, in preparation for Shavuos, what is the Torah's perspective? And I want to share with you four fascinating perspectives. Number one, we know we don't have to look any further than the very first verse of the entire Torah. And that verse tells us, Then in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The very first verse of the Torah declares that this world is real. It was created by God. The rest of the Torah tells us how we are to live in this world that God created. This is what we're going to be celebrating next week on Shavuos. It's not just about the ice cream and cheesecake. The whole of Judaism is based on the fact that our actions, what we choose to do or not to do, is of importance. It's of paramount significance, the choices we make at every single moment of the day. And we should never underestimate our own value in God's estimation. The fact that you exist, the fact that you are created means you're indispensable to God's plan. There's a reason why God put you here in this world. And therefore, if you are here in this world, we don't need any greater indicator than the fact that God Almighty says that this world was created and We're here for a purpose. But at the same time, if you go a little further in the Torah, we explore, we encounter another verse, which tells us, and we say it every time we open the Torah, just before on Shabbos, as we take out the Torah scroll, you've been shown to know, we know there are multiple names for God. Almighty God has various names. Each name reflects a different persona, a different element of God. The name Hashem, Havaya, is the name of God in mercy and revelation. And the name Elohim is one of concealment and judgment. With which name did God create the world? 
Bereshit bara Elohim, with concealment. And that's why this world, in fact, the Hebrew word hateva, nature, has the same numerical value, the gematria, as the word Elohim, the name with which God created this world, a name of concealment. So the name Havaya is God's infinity and transcendence. And so the verse is telling us that you've been shown to know that there's none but God. There's no other deity. There's no other existence. But on a much deeper level, the verse is telling us that God's infinity and transcendence is one of the same. And this is something we're going to discuss. That the very same God who created this world also created a concealment of himself in this world. And therefore, we have to see the world from both elements, from both sides, from both perspectives. This is a deep mystical idea that I'd like to share with you today. We'll be right back. This is Soul to Soul on 101.9 IFM. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. I'm Rabbi Ari Kievman. And welcome back to Soul to Soul. We're talking, we had a question a moment ago that on the one hand, we see a verse, the very beginning of the Torah, God created the heavens and the earth. So absolutely this world exists. It's real. But at the same time, we encounter a verse later on in the Torah where it says there's none else but Hashem. So on, it's, yeah, simply it means there's no superior deity, there's no other being, there's no other God. But if we take it a step further and a little deeper, we have to see, it seems like a little bit of a conflict. Is the world real or maybe it's some kind of illusion? And so before we begin a meaningful discussion, we need to ask ourselves, what do we mean when we say something is real? What's the definition of real? How do you define reality? If you look in the Oxford English Collegiate Dictionary, there the definition of real is, it's a noun describing one, the state of things as they really exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea of them. Number two, philosophically, existence that's absolute, self-sufficient or objective, not subject to human decisions or conventions. Now, much of human endeavor hinges on our efforts to discover reality. Logic, philosophy, the scientific method that we use in our mind to distinguish opinion from fact, perception from reality. You see, none of the advances of science, from antibiotics to airplanes to computers, you name it, to the phone you're holding in your hand right now, would actually have ever even been possible if the human brain couldn't have learned to do so. So this is what is known as critical thinking. But it's not so, not so simple. Because it seems by our very nature, we're programmed to actually misread reality. Our eyes oftentimes deceive us. Our emotions mislead us. And our minds from incorrect theories all the time. All the time we're forming these theories in our minds. You think of optical illusions are simple examples of how we cannot trust our initial assessments of reality. We look at optical illusions and we realize, ah, why did I think that before? So think of a placebo. 
You know, when patients are in hospital, and unfortunately sometimes when they are terminally ill, the doctors use different medications, drugs to help heal them. But sometimes they actually don't even have the correct, they don't even have a solution. There's no medicine, no pill, no magic drug that has been yet discovered, invented, created by any chemist to heal that particular disease. But what doctors have found was that the placebo, whether it's a pill or an injection or even a a staged surgery, could actually help heal a patient, even though it's not a real medical treatment. So instead, what happens is the medicine is just colored water, sugar pill. I've seen firsthand a doctor telling the patient who was going into organ failure, into kidney failure, that they were putting on the, oh gosh, what is that called? The, <laughs> um, they put on the machine that would help the patient in that particular situation, but it wasn't even working. But it made the patient feel good. It made the patient feel like the doctor's looking after them. And it demonstrates that it actually makes patients feel much better. There are so many studies that have shown that they sometimes even stronger than the actual medicine. Maimonides and his God for the Perplexed, he discusses actually a quite, quite at length the dilemma of separating truth from imagination. And he says, Marco Reader, man's uniqueness is not the faculty of imagination which has the opposite effect of intellect. So it is that some imagine a man with a horse's head, with wings, you know, get your imagination going as Rambam did. But that's called fiction. It's a phantasm. It's a thing to which nothing in the actual world corresponds. Imagination yields therefore no test for the reality of a thing. There are certain things which would appear impossible if tested by a person's imagination, yet are nevertheless established by proof and attested by the reality. So Maimonides goes on and he gives an interesting example, one that might seem quite obvious today, but would actually be quite surprising to the man on the street 900 years ago. Our intuition would lead us to believe that people standing on the opposite side of the earth are upside down and should actually fall off the earth. Yet, we know that's not the case. In reality, up is not a single direction, but it describes distance from the Earth's center. And Einstein did a similar thing when his theory of relativity demonstrated that time and space are not the absolutes that we intuitively think them to be. Time could be sped up or slowed down. Space itself could be curved. We'll talk about that next week more. But reality and perception each have their own sets of rules you see you're looking at a wall and no matter what you think about it reality doesn't care because you're not going to walk through that wall and if you want to get to the other side of it you need to go through the door or you need to climb up a ladder or at least get yourself a sledgehammer on the other hand if that wall isn't really there and you're just imagining it then Go ahead, walk right through it, right? Or go see a therapist. 
And this is true of every time we interact with the world. Whether we're searching for a cure for cancer or driving to the hypermarket or to wherever, if you want to succeed at something, you need to learn to distinguish between reality and perception, to deal with each on its own terms. Some people dream of success while other people wake up and make it happen. Some people dream of winning the lottery, but if they didn't buy the ticket, they're not going to win it. So virtually all our accomplishments depend on the ability to distinguish between objective reality and subjective perception. Now, we have to recognize, and I think we have a few conclusive points. Number one is reality doesn't change based on our perception of it. Number two, therefore, we have to conform to reality. And our success in life depends on learning effective strategies within the confines of reality. So we're going to call this the worldly reality, the way things appear to us. When we're back, I'd like to take you through a few other perspectives of reality that are worthwhile considering. We'll be right back. Two hours every weekday, covering everything from Torah, Parsha, holidays, and so much more. This is 101.9 High FM, Soul to Soul. Welcome back. And we're talking about the worldly reality, but there are some problems with just seeing things for the way they are. Even the laws of nature, science, have their own flaws. And so there are no absolute rules of nature. Oftentimes, give me an example, you go outside based on the weather forecast and the weather is not exactly as it's forecasted to be. So we see that it's not exactly the way things appear to be. And so we got to sometimes think out of the box and look at the Torah perspective. So from the Torah perspective, we have to remember that indeed the world is very, very real, of course. But as real as it is and as, as the rules of nature are, we know who created the worlds of name, the, the rules of nature. If you go back to that original verse, Bereshit bara Elohim, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, obviously... We're very familiar with this idea. It's We take it for granted. God created the entire world. And it's so familiar that we sometimes forget how actually revolutionary this idea is. That the world has a creator, an absolute beginning. Now you're probably thinking, huh, so what's so revolutionary about the fact that the world has a creator and has a beginning? Don't all religions believe that? Modern science also seems to recognize it. At least the beginning part of it. Think of the Big Bang Theory, even evolution. Most people, most theories believe there's a beginning to this universe. But most creation myths describe some kind of creator, a deity creating the world out of some type of pre-existing material. There had to have been something with which the world was created. The ancient Greeks, including those who believed in God like Aristotle, they thought of the matters and the forms of the world as always having existed always before. I was down at Nizna years ago, the caves, and they were telling us how the formation from one rock to the Stone Age, there was the world came into being. The Big Bang Theory envisions the universe exploding out of some kind of singularity, an infinitely small point within which all the hardware and the software of this entire universe, all its matter, energy, and the laws encapsulated. This was just evolution. 
it came into being. All these models, whatever perspective you have, things are the way they are because that's the way things are. Things might change, they might evolve over time, but everything happens within the framework of a pre-existing reality and its laws. But if you look at it from a Torah perspective, at the very beginning, the Torah establishes otherwise. Things are the way they are only because that is how God chose to make them. Now, God could have chosen to make reality differently, or God could have chosen not to make reality at all. But here we have it, Bereshit bara Elohim. God created. What does the word bara mean? Ex nihilo is the way they like to translate it, which means something from nothing. Reality is not what is. Reality is what was made. And yes, indeed, as the laws of nature are the way they are, we recognize that our very existence as a people, the very history of the Jewish people, the very nature of the Jewish people's existence is one that is quite miraculous. You look at our history, every part of it, and we recognize that the rules of nature aren't absolute. God's the master of nature. Obviously, God could have accomplished all of everything by natural means, but God sometimes intervenes to show us that, yes, we live and operate within the confines and the laws of nature, but we must never become trapped within the perspective that these limits define our reality. And so, yes, miracles happen. You may have prayed for a miracle and seen it happen. Perhaps there was a prognosis of someone that naturally should have been had one outcome, and at the end of the day, things didn't go the way they were predicted to be, but rather we recognize that there is a boss, there's a master, and the same one who programmed the universe to be the way it is could also program it otherwise, although God doesn't always do that. So the world indeed is very real, and we have to recognize, though, that is looking at it from our perspective. If we have to look at things from another perspective, we want to go backstage or maybe go up into outer space and take a look at the universe from that perspective, we might see things a little differently. In fact, as Carl Sagan put it, we're like little dots, little specks. You know, you're on the plane and you look down and the cars look like matchboxes and the people look like little tiny ants or maybe not even perceivable. And that's because Kabbalah tells us there's two ways of seeing the world, from a godly reality and from a worldly reality. In the worldly reality, we see each other and see our things. But when we start looking from up there, from the other perspective, then we see things a little differently. We don't see the world as created something from nothing, but rather we have to define what is something, what is nothing. And the reason why we see the world as something is because we could grasp, we could relate to the limitations of the world around us. But all of a sudden we start seeing things from a godly reality, then actually we might see things a little different. Because from the godly perspective of reality, the we're like nothing, and God indeed is something. If we start looking at the difference between infinity and finitude, oh, it's a world of difference. So now that we recognize that there is a world of difference, we have to try to bridge that gap. And that's exactly what happened on Shavuos when God gave us the Torah. All of a sudden, there was a 
there used to seemingly be the heavens were the heavens for Hashem and the earth was for man. How do we bridge that gap? And the truth is, every day, wherever you might be, you could see that there's always two realities. Because you pick up your phone and you see an app. That app is a front end, but there's a back end to that application. And you might notice that the developer of that app designed it according to their specifications. The user, we could download the application, we could use that application, but we're not in the back end of that application. And the same thing with any electronic devices that you have. Someone someone who's an expert in electronics could make their own circuit board, could repair broken ones. But for the rest of us, we see the sign on our devices very clearly say, no user serviceable parts inside. The average user can only buy ready-made products. And you got to pay to repair those things. So there's a front end, there's a back end. Doctors prescribe treatments. Researchers invent new cures. But to us, to the layperson, patients can't self-prescribe medicine. They can only use as directed because there's a back end and a front end. The same things with book, stage, and film. You got writers, directors, and producers, and actors. And then there's the rest of us, the readers, the audience. Food we eat. Chefs invent recipes because they understand the fundamentals. We go into restaurants, we see good-looking food. It's delicious. It's tasty. But there's somebody in the kitchen who's preparing it. It doesn't just appear there on the table. And the same thing with the education that we receive. There are educators and principals and, and headmasters and teachers. And, of course, there's the students who follow the syllabus. And that's life. We have human beings who have a subconscious. And there is the behavior. There's the back end and there's the front end. And if today we're able to recognize the reality that there's two sides to every creation, there is the godly side and there is the human side. There's the side that we connect with. And so in conclusion for today is if we could recognize the godly reality and recognize the same God who created this universe also created the concealments that block us from seeing that reality then perhaps we could also realize whatever challenges or struggles we have in our life on a daily basis. Maybe God puts them there for us to see through those struggles and to bring out the best within us. We'll catch up more on that next week right here on Soul to Soul Thursday, please God, between 1 and 2 p.m., wishing you a fabulous Shabbos, a meaningful, purposeful one, and Carpe Diem seize the moment. Stay tuned for the news up next.